You're listening to nothing important. It's, it's <laughs> interesting awesome. you say that about the Midwest versus the coast because I've always, people from the Midwest, I guess, tend to think that people from the coast and the Florida nicer places are more relaxed generally and Midwesterners are more uptight generally. We always blame it on the season. You could be a big traffic. fat guy and walk around with a hot girl in the Midwest without having money. Try that in LA. <laughs> yeah. Try that in Los Angeles. That's not happening. Please enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Nothing Important Podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is Tim Kane's creepy smile, Dave. Dave, how's it going this evening? Hello, nurse. <laughs> and on the third mic, if he ever gets his uh, shit together and he gets his updates on his computer, all <laughs> ready to go, will be Mike Pence's Cotton Hill haircut, Jeff who I'm excited to have on uh, once again, and we'll just kind of make it a thing. So he'll always be the third Mike, but he's no, he's no longer going to get any sort of uh, side notes like, oh, for the fourth week in a row, I think we're just going to go ahead and just move on as if he's always there. I like that idea because that's, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. So while we wait for him to come on later on, coming up in the episode, uh, probably in about uh, 10 minutes our time, I'm not really sure how much time in episode, uh, we have uh, Brian Howie from The Great Love Debate. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm honestly don't not familiar, but you're a fan. You've seen his show live, and uh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. So he he has the show, uh, the Great Love Debate. He does live shows. He has a a podcast on Corolla Digital and on a podcast one. So needless to say, significantly more popular than we are, <laughs> right? <laughs> so my wife works with a very nice woman who is uh, is a professional makeup artist, right? They do a lot of collaborations and stuff. And I guess she actually knows uh, Brian from like years and years ago from the theater scene here in Chicago. Huh? That's neat. And over the, over the years, he's went on to produce TV shows and radio shows and such. And uh, he's kind of struck upon this idea of the great love debate where it's pretty much like a forum uh, like we walk into the Apollo theater in Chicago and there's, there's four chairs on the stage and everybody has a microphone and it's like the four experts. There was like a, like a marriage counselor, two divorce lawyers, and then our friend Lauren. And then there was like an audience, like it was kind of smaller, maybe like 50, 60 people, something like that. Mm-hmm. It is very interactive. Uh, Brian plays the host and it's like an interactive conversation between the crowd and these wedding love marriage experts that are on the stage right interesting so they so yeah so and of course you know it gets kind of embarrassing somewhat because they'll ask uh somewhat embarrassing questions and stuff like that typically i'm not a very shy person but when i'm put in a situation like that like among my friends i'll just i'll just spout off and you know like say whatever i want because i I know even if i somewhat offend my friends or whatever like there'll be like no repercussions and i don't have to put up with any shit right? right right but this whole this whole time, my wife is trying to get me to, because um, they're talking about topics, you know, of couples and such. And the whole time, my wife is trying to get me to raise my hand, and uh, I'm like, I don't want to participate. I don't want to participate. <laughs> I don't want to participate. So 
which you know, I it's not that I have any trouble participating. It's just uh, I, you know, it's it's just you I don't just want, to. want to. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, but there was there was these uh, two people who I'm I'm assuming are a nice couple. I mean, they seem like nice people. They said one of the challenges in their relationship was that the husband plays too many video games. Really? And and so I kind of started chuckling. And it because really there's no such like, thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it really seemed like this lady had some sort of issue uh, with him playing video games, right? Because she felt neglected and such. The video games got I, more attention than she does. Yes. Right, right. And I started laughing. <laughs> and, <laughs> And uh, so this catches the attention of Brian with the microphone, and uh, he comes over and uh, he starts talking about, well, how how should you know people in the audience who are in a couple, how should you, what advice would you give single people that are trying to find somebody to be with, right? Mm-hmm. And and so my wife like throws my hand up. I was caught off guard. My wife throws <laughs> my hand up. So he puts the microphone in my face. The previous person said that in order to attract a mate, that uh, you should make yourself appear to be better than you actually are, and that'll be attractive. So I started laughing again, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, no, that's an absolutely stupid strategy. I'm like, what you should do is just be who you are and not compromise at all. Right, and then that way nobody's like surprised, you know. If you set the bar low, you can always top over it. Yeah, you, know? you set the bar all <laughs> high. That's I, I I think that's why a lot of people end up in divorce because uh, you're, you're you're portraying somebody that you're not. So when they find out who you really are, well, that's not what that attracted them to you. So they're gonna leave. Exactly. See, and so uh, it, it goes on. I'm talking through the microphone, and I'm just like, oh, screw it. I'm gonna be opinionated. I'm like, oh, and by the way. If Kristen, which is my wife's name, uh-huh. I'm like, if Kristen ever told me that I couldn't play video games or I need to cut down the amount of time that I play video games, I would probably laugh so hard I'd end up on the floor. <laughs> and of course, and of course, everybody's like, oh, I don't know, man. That doesn't seem like something somebody should say in front of their wife, <laughs> you know, but at least right. I'm honest, you know, but Kristen backed me up. She's like, you know, because then he like puts the microphone in her face and she's like, no, I, I pretty much... uh I pretty much just accepted that when, <laughs> when, when we were we were together. So, she should have said something uh, like, "I don't want another bruise." So, <laughs> right. <laughs> but so let the record show. Uh, I kept it real at the great love debate. Yo, you always keep it real, Brian. That's that's kind of your thing. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's cool though because uh, I'm uh, Brian. Afterwards, we we all went to a German bar afterwards and it, i mean it's just talking with him and his his podcast experience obviously he's fallen into something that's very well for him i mean mm-hmm. shit next week he's going to do these podcasts in like southeast asia wow that's weird yeah i know we don't do podcasts in like southeast chicago right <laughs> <laughs> southeast illinois right well actually if we did um truth be told if we did podcast in uh southeast chicago we'd probably both end up shot but <laughs> <laughs> On the uh, Someone Important Hotline, we have Brian Howie from The Great Love Debate. Hi, Brian. Hello. Hey guys, how are you? Doing great. <laughs> so Jeff, uh, Jeff just jumped in. He has some technical difficulties. But I was just telling Dave about The uh, the Great Love Debate and how it's an interesting premise. I, I was trying to explain it as where it's almost uh, like a symposium. You know, you, you have the four 
experts down in the middle, and then you facilitate a conversation between the crowd and uh, the folks down on the stage. Yeah, we do it. Uh, it's basically town hall style, which I think the election season helps people understand that, where we our dialogue tends to flow from the the uh, audience to the stage, and we, depending on the, the theme of the show, we mostly try and figure out why people have uh, dating difficulties, whether they're in a relationship or can't get in one or anything, and it goes in all sorts of directions. <laughs> How many relationships do you think have been ruined because of the great love debate? <laughs> <laughs> well, some have been ruined, but some have been uh, formed. You know, just the very act of getting men and women in a room and having sort of an honest dialogue helps. We've done uh, 228 shows in 79 different cities. I literally just finished a show in Atlanta wow. like an hour ago. And, uh, excuse me, and, uh, you know, people meet, just getting them in the, you know, we've lost the ability to sort of engage face-to-face -face anymore. Even husbands and wives communicate through your phones half the time. Right. So, uh, so just, just breaking down that one wall and, Forcing men and women to, to share space for a while goes a long way. Hmm. Now, what what uh, what was your inspiration for the podcast? What because you're you're a producer by trade and you've kind of worked in, in show business and stuff. How did you gravitate towards that specific relationship topic? stuff? Well, yeah. after working with a lot of crazy actresses and some <laughs> actors over the last fifteen years or so, uh, I wrote a book called How to Find Love in Sixty Seconds, which was semi tongue in cheek, but it basically said that. People need to stop complaining and take control of their own dating fates and lives and stuff. And huh. rather than do a book book tour with me and, you know, 20 people in a Barnes and Noble, we thought, let's put these this in theaters and, and sort of raise the questions that the book raised and figure out if we can get anywhere. So we it really was started as a as a one off experiment and now it's it's literally going all over the world. We're going to Europe and Asia and you know, we've, like I said, we've been all over North America and it's been two and a half years now and it keeps going and going and going because like I said before, every show is different. Every mm. crowd is different. Stuff comes up. So it's sort of organically grew and, and, you know, it's a big social experiment. We have, we've had, you know, 50,000 different people come to these shows. So, you know, I used to say that, uh, that my job was to raise the questions and not provide the answers. But after doing this for a while, I sort of know where the bodies are buried. At least in some <laughs> city. And every city's different. You know, every city, you know, the, uh, the dating fabric really is a reflection of how a city feels about itself. You know, mm -hmm. they're a lot more hopeful in, in Chicago because people like Chicago, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, 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 in in Cleveland, they're a little frustrated, you know, because they're you know they're like nobody's moving here. We have to work this out, you know. So <laughs> and uh, Jeff uh, Jeff actually just got his uh, technical difficulty sorted out. Hey Jeff, how's it going? Not too bad, Baron. Well, hey, good. I was. Can I just drop I in the fact that I merged Jeff into the call while you were uh, merging uh, Brian into the call? So I just want to flaunt my phone skills are uh, much superior to yours, Brian. <laughs> Well, bravo, bravo for your phone skills. Brian, I have a habit of hanging up there's on our probably, guests. There's probably 30,000 receptionists who, who do that every day. You know, <laughs> yeah, Brian is extremely way too uh, proud of himself when he successfully merges two calls together. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah, they, they, would, they, would, they would laugh at that pride. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, Jeff, uh, before before Brian called us, I, I, I went to the Great Love Debate Live with my, my beautiful wife, Kristen, and... Our, our friend Lauren was on the panel, and I was telling uh, 
and, and Brian, I don't know if you remember because you, you 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 know do this for a living and you know you hear so many people talk, but uh, during the great love debate here in Chicago that we were just at a couple days ago, they were talking about uh, things uh, that you put on a priority in a relationship, like something that may take time away from your significant other, right? And uh, there, were, there was a nice couple. As far as I know, they're a nice couple. And the lady expressed disdain for the amount of time that her husband was playing video games and not paying attention to her. And I started laughing. And uh, Brian, our guest, brought the microphone over to me. <laughs> and basically, <laughs> you know, I was dishonest. And I said, well, if my wife, Kristen, ever told me how much I could play video games, I would laugh so hard I'd probably fall on the floor. <laughs> and uh, I could almost feel like every guy in the room wanting to be like, yeah, but like keeping it to themselves. And every woman instantly just stare at me like I was the biggest asshole that was ever. <laughs> well, I, I interpreted it that video like games that. was, I thought video games was, was code for porn. Was I wrong? <laughs> That's the way I interpreted it. Sometimes. Video, maybe it's really video games, but I was shocked. That comes up a lot. I was shocked at how, how much time, Men are spending on video games and their wives, girlfriends allow it. Maybe it's just the, the difficult women that I date in LA. They would smash it. I don't <laughs> think I can get away with it. But. You know, maybe, maybe he, maybe they were using that as a code for porn. Now that I think about it, but I, I they're like, well, or maybe the women are like, at least it's not porn. Because I, I was straight up talking about video games, but what's cool about my wife is we actually play video games together. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah, not bad at all. But uh, so I, I guess where I'm leading with that is, um, ha- has there ever been like really uh, uncool? I, man, I don't even know how to explain. Has has a guy ever said something so uh, that angered his 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 date so bad that, that she walked out on him or slapped him while he was there? Well, the angriest crowd we ever had. We did a show in uh, in Greenwich, Connecticut, a couple years ago, which uh, which I know pretty well. I used to live there, and uh, Bravo Television was shooting the show, so the cameras already kind of freaked people out. So there was a weird energy there, and this woman stood up and she said, "What do you do if uh, you go out with a guy and he says he's going to call you and he doesn't call you?" And we're like, "Well, that happens," and she goes. But what do you do if that guy's here tonight? Oh, shit. <laughs> we're like, show your face. It turned into like a Jerry. The women went crazy and made it. And so this guy sheepishly stands up in the back and he's like, I, I just didn't know what to say. I'm sorry. And the women were like, liars. And it turned into this Jerry Springer show. Like the women just turned on this for it, like symbolized everything they were mad about. And it was a huge packed crowd, and they just went crazy on this guy. They wanted to like <laughs> throw him to the lions, and he and uh, and really, he was just like, I didn't know what to say, and they just freaked out. It was nuts. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. <laughs> but the more we do these shows, you know, we've got a lot of them that in a in a in an online dating world, people connect with a lot of people they don't know. They've either seen them online or they've seen them before, so. A lot of people have either dated or, or rejected each other or didn't go out, so they, they see each other face-to-face, and there is a lot of weird energy between the, between the men and the women. You know, somebody in, a, in Chicago, we did a show this summer, and she, she literally said, a guy here tonight just cheated on me. And, wow. uh, and the guy, that guy didn't show his face, but she <laughs> went in some crazy rant, and then she, she like had her say, and she walked out. She was done. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've, you know, 
Go ahead. I, I feel like uh, that would be um, somewhat of a, of a common occurrence in, in doing what you do. But on the other side of it, too, uh, your show, you know, there, there was a lot of positive aspect of that, too. And people, you know, like not only giving tips and tricks, but, you know, some mild bragging, too, about how somebody's like a really good couple or really good to their significant other. So I don't want to give the impression that it's all like crazy people. No, saying ridiculous. I mean, it, it, it comes down to this, whether people are single or relationships or whatever it is. The women want the men to try harder and the men want the women to make it easier. And that is sort of the, <laughs> the crux of disconnect now. The, the challenge is that over the last 20 years, to their credit, the women have ramped up their sort of independent, I don't need a man, masculine energy. And on a lot of levels, the men have gotten a little softer. And that has screwed up like our traditional gender roles inside of relationships and outside of relationships. And it's you know, it's going to take a, a generation or two to cycle that out or to get used to that. So there, mm. there is sort of this this uh, dynamic when it comes to love and dating and sexual relationships that is different than it was in the, you know, 70s. So, Yeah, absolutely. Dave, Dave is a single guy, uh, but Jeff, you've been with uh, your girlfriend for how long now, Jeff? Over three years, almost four. Yeah, four years. And as somebody who's known Jeff for probably like 15 years now, uh, I would suggest that if you ever come to Bloomington, Illinois, you reach out to Jeff and have him on the panel because uh, Jeff is quite a unique character, especially (laughs) when it comes to relationships. (laughs) Uh, I'll take that as a compliment? Question mark? I just wanted to put you on the Yeah, that's a compliment. That's that's somewhere. There's a compliment in there somewhere. Exactly. I'll take it as that. I'll just... Exactly. So you're... So you're headed off to Southeast Asia. So you're essentially like a like a rock star. You're doing like the whole world tour thing. Yeah, sort of. It's tough. I understand the way it's. You know, I get confused sometimes what city I'm in, and uh, you know, we like I said, we've been to 79 cities, and we're going all over the place. And sometimes, like I, I saw you in Chicago two nights ago. I just did a show in Atlanta tonight. I have a show in Los Angeles tomorrow. So it's it's really popping around and doing these, and every city has a has a unique energy. The farther south we go, the younger our crowds get. The average age in Atlanta tonight was like 24 because the girls are flipping out that they feel <laughs> old and they're not married. They're like, I was a bridesmaid five times. It's never going to happen for me. And, uh, you know, we do show in Boston and there are a bunch of people in their 50s and 60s who just want to drink and hook up. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's different everywhere. And, uh, and that's part of the fun of it. And that's part of the challenge of it is really understanding sort of the fabric of the city and how that trickles down to the relationships. Hmm. Uh, the Midwest is far more hopeful than New York or LA or San Francisco or whatever. It really is like, that's not a stereotype. There are nicer people. They communicate better. You know, I, I'm from New York originally. I dread doing the show there. It's a nightmare. <laughs> the women, the women come and they want to be validated in their misery. They want to hear this city sucks and these guys are assholes. And if you give them anything other than that, they literally get mad. It's, it's awesome. interesting you say that about the Midwest versus the coast because I've always people from the Midwest, I guess, tend to think that people from the coast and the Florida nicer places are more relaxed generally, and Midwesterners are more uptight generally. We always blame it on the season. You could be a big traffic. fat guy and walk around with a hot girl in the Midwest without having money. Try that now. <laughs> Yeah, try that in Los Angeles. That's not happening. Interesting <laughs> point. Interesting point. I'm I'm very. Can I, can uh, I borrow some money I, and I'll try it out. <laughs> well, and you can and you can even and you can share food with girls there. They're going to eat meat. 
a nightmare in Los Angeles. They're not, <laughs> they're not ordering anything you want a bite of. It's tough. <laughs> well, Brian, awesome. Uh, thank you for uh, so much for coming on. Nothing important. You can see, you can hear uh, the great love debate on uh, Corolla Digital and Podcast One. And where can we find out the dates where you're going to have uh, the Great Love Debate live? Go to greatlovedebate.com. Check out our tour schedule. If you want us to come to a city uh, that, that is not on our tour schedule, shoot us an email, greatlovedebate at gmail.com, and we will try and get there. Awesome. Uh, Brian Howie, thank you so much for coming on. Nothing important. Thanks, guys. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Go Cubs. Yeah, speaking of Go Cubs, uh, they're playing the Giants on Friday. The Giants. It is an even-numbered year, which means it is the ti- Giants' time to win the World Series. You know, um, I don't know what that means. They've won it in 2010, <laughs> 2012, and 2014. Oh. They win it every other year. The weird thing about living in Chicago right now is that while the Cubs are very much a big story, nobody wants to talk about it. Like, nobody wants to jinx anything. Oh, nobody God. wants to say anything about the Cubs. Like, it's amazing how quiet it is about the Chicago Cubs. I'm not going to say how or where, but I was just hanging out with a bunch of Cubs people the other day, and even people directly affiliated with the Cubs were like, shh. <laughs> like, like, really? It's, yeah, and so it's like this weird mixture of maybe maybe it's just in my circles or people are just tired of, of talking about it, but uh, I, I feel like it, maybe I think. It's There's like not, nobody wants to be the one to say anything like the nobody wants to be the person to say something that the Cubs might actually do something this year for fear <laughs> of being the person that jinxes it. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I got a phone call the other day. By the way, when you went to the Cubs game, I was supposed to go to that Cubs game on that Sunday, but I had a session mm-hmm. run long. So my friend was kind of upset, but he ended up taking his wife. So everybody wins. So my penance that night was I made myself watch every play of the Bears game, knowing how bad it was going to be, to punish myself. Wait a minute, hold on, hold on one sec. Wow, why would you do that to yourself? I had to punish myself for bailing on the Cubs game. (laughs) (laughs) Because my friend was not happy about it, but I I had a session run long, it happens. Um, You know, what what was funny real quick about that Cubs game is, um, uh, yeah, I was there. I was like maybe like eight rows up from the field, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and... uh, uh, just a quick story. You know how they sell peanuts? Yes. Yes. Okay. In so bags. my wife is eating. My yeah. My wife is eating peanut. Yeah, in a fucking bag. My wife is eating peanuts and being funny. She keeps dropping the shells like on my lap. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's just she's just playing with me, and I'm like, ah, oh, come on. So flippantly, she takes a. a you ever see the Blues Brothers where like one of the like Elwood Blues just kind of flicks a shrimp over the shoulder and it lands perfectly in a Joliet uh-huh. Jake's mouth? Yeah. Yes. My wife did that to to me with a peanut shell and it landed in the back of my throat and I started choking so I almost <laughs> died at that Cubs game. <laughs> Fantastic. I was like, you can do that again in a, in a million no. fucking years. There's no way, you know. And, <laughs> like, see, it's making me gag just thinking about it. Like the That's feeling, funny. like literally, this thing, like in air, wedged itself in the back of my throat. <laughs> I was gonna say down here because we're a little mid of uh, is it Illinois. Um, we have a lot of Cardinals fans too. Yes, mm-hmm. so it is talked about the Cubs are down here because of the Cardinals rivalry, right? And uh, most of it's been um, 
I hope they Cubs lose. fans kind of being quiet about it, and then Cardinals fans every win they got, you know, like yeah, we're getting, you know, we'll play wild card, we're gonna do this, and Cubs fan, all right, whatever, screw off, and then just silence <laughs> this last week uh, once they got knocked out. Well, maybe, maybe to circle it, back, it's just. I'll say to cir- circle back that friend I was talking about. He called me because we're doing. I'm playing trumpet in a Halloween show on the 29th of October, and is my debut of playing trumpet. Except for tonight, I was actually downstairs jamming with some horn players on the street, which is pretty awesome. The trumpets. <laughs> so, so he calls how many, me. How many? How many mambos are you playing? Uh, we're playing mambos number uh, one, four, eight, and twenty-two. Okay, okay. We're not playing okay, Mambo right. number five. It's too played out. Only okay, prime. Actually, okay. I think well, we're sticking understood. with we're sticking with prime numbers. Um, <laughs> Mambo number prime. So he calls me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so this is you know this is going back to the talking about the Cubs and the World Series thing. So he calls me. And he's like, dude, do you realize that your Halloween show is on Game Four of the World Series? And we got in this whole discussion where I was like, oh, yeah, I would play the show. Like, I'm not going to ever pass up playing to watch something, no matter how big of a fan I am. And then we didn't realize we're talking about the Cubs in the World Series like it's going to happen before the the season was even over. You know, like those discussions are happening. People are talking like that. I'm actually kind of shocked because it seems to me like back in 2003 when they had the big choke, everybody was waiting for it. Now it's more anticipation and not so much like when are we gonna fuck it up. It's now it's like when are we gonna finally break the curse? Quotes. Yeah. See. I, yeah. I I wonder if that's why my experience is the way that it is. Like maybe it's just more people that for some reason have feels that it's a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. So they're very. So they're nonchalant about it. Just remember but that the like team said, with the record with the most wins in the history of baseball did not win the World Series. I don't even know who that is. The Mariners. They didn't win the World Series. Ken Griffey Jr. No, they didn't win the World Series that year, but they won like 113 games. Oh, funny. <laughs> yeah. It's baseball. Baseball is it's so random and weird. That's And that's another thing is people realize that the first series is short, and in a short series, randomness is a bigger factor. And with the randomness of baseball, you you actually have like a 20% chance of making the World Series as good as the Cubs are. Have you, have you ever seen uh, uh, Adam Ruins Everything? On uh, True TV, I see video clips here and there. What's that? I've seen clips here and there. Okay, yeah. So the whole premise, uh, Jeff, you would appreciate this as well. Is uh, Adam Carnivore, uh Pretty much, it'll be like Adam ruins professional sports, and he'll he'll right. pretty much say like a lot of facts that people don't know that you know, kind of just like being like a know it all, and all of his facts pretty much ruin everybody's perception of <laughs> of whatever topic he's on. Right. And just to back okay. it up, he sources it on screen. So it's not like he just says like this company does this. He'll have okay. an actual source on screen to where he got the information and facts. and such. So and he one uses of his facts is yes. what you're saying. Right. Ex- exactly. Okay. Weird. And one of one of his was uh Adam Ruin Sports and he talked about how playoff teams uh, often are never like the winners of like the Super Bowl and the World Series are often never the actual statistically best team, right? Because once you get into playoffs, mathematically, it just becomes a crapshoot. Yeah, because <laughs> it's every team is awesome. Because a lot of te- times you pad your stats by being worse teams. When you get in the playoffs, every team is good. And and in professional sports, the margin of difference between the worst team and the best team is so minimal that literally anything can happen. Which is why I love sports because. It's real life drama TV, 
reality TV. Not scripted right. reality TV. So, Jeff, I, I you're on our, our podcast uh, group text message, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I can know when to have my computer restart randomly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, did you know that uh, Dave often makes a Facebook post and he wants to encourage other people to read them? I've heard that. Um, I think it's a cry for help and just reaching out for I don't right. I don't know. <laughs> we're we're already your we're already your friends, Dave. You don't have to tell us because this is like for everybody listening. So like I'm just randomly driving along and Dave <laughs> sends us a text that says, "Hey, did you guys read our face uh, my Facebook post?" And I'm like, uh, "No, dude, I don't fucking you know stalk you <laughs> on Facebook." And he's like, "This must be talked about." And I'm like, "The fact that you make Facebook posts," <laughs> and I'm like, "Sweet." And then not 30 seconds later, uh, Dave sends me another text message that says, oh, well, I deleted it because I need to do some research. <laughs> <laughs> so now that I've now that I've shat all over your present, your premise, I'd love to hear what you want to talk about. <laughs> OK, so what happened was, for one, the reason I said go read my Facebook post is because it was long winded and I didn't want to text the whole damn thing again. So it's easy just to say, like, go read my fucking post. But you, you do know about like one. copy and paste, yeah, right, right yeah, uh, whatever. So get that, get that copy and paste on point, son. That CP game, bro. So the, here's what happened. <laughs> so here's what happened. Don Don game on point. I got that. I got that command C and that command V on lockdown, son. Um. <laughs> so I was. This whole it's about this clown thing, okay. And this whole creepy clown, whatever nonsense. And I'm scrolling through the fucking news feed and I come across a movie trailer. And it's basically they, Eli Roth took the plot of the clowning episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force and made it into a movie. <laughs> and I, so I'm thinking right. to myself, like, oh my God, this whole clown thing is a viral campaign for some Eli Roth ripoff of an Aqua Teen Hunger Force plot. That's what, like, what my Facebook post said. But then I realized the movie came out in 2014, <laughs> <laughs> which is why I deleted it. That's <laughs> like had to do that's like research. reverse Blair witching it, <laughs> right? Like go, go go watch this movie that came out two years ago. But the whole point is that I'm probably gonna watch this movie because I would like to see what Eli Roth would do with the Aqua Teen Hunger Force clowning plot. <laughs> what would Eli Roth do? I don't know. It's pretty creepy. You, do, do you know who Eli Roth is, Brian? I have no fucking clue who that is. Okay, which I also did not want to have to include in my text to Brian, which I would have done. Parentheses. He's the guy that did Hostel and Cabin Fever. And parentheses. Oh, I have I've seen neither of and, those movies. I was gonna say he's probably seen none of that either. You'd have to insert his IMDb page, like he's, the whole thing. He's in Inglorious Bastards. I don't know, but yeah. So that was you, the whole point. Is that Eli you, Roth you know, was off the this whole. Oh. This whole clowning thing, it's funny that you brought that up is because uh I actually saw a report I actually saw a report today that <laughs> like six thousand Penn State students, I guess like formed a lynch mob because somebody sent out a tweet that there was a clown spotted on campus <laughs> and they were gonna track it down and beat the guy's ass. I uh, I, I heard really. somebody I heard somebody walked up to one of them and shot him in the head. Yeah, no, I guess apparently that happened too. But yeah. um they're not like Apparently. the cool, really creepy clowns that just stand on corners and stuff. They're actual murderers like John Wayne Gacy. No, he got murdered. The oh, he got murdered. Oh, okay. Somebody oh. was so afraid of the clown, he shot the clown in the head. 
Well, that's not fun. Which somebody said a while ago, like, I, I, I don't want to see the repercussions of when people are actually starting to get freaked out by these guys. And, well, there you go. They're starting to get killed. I'm, I'm just saying, um, little Timmy probably had the most memorable <laughs> fifth birthday ever when somebody <laughs> shot the clown in the head. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's the thing I was like, going to say about nobody's the- Nobody's forgetting that. Like, look, you can have a bounce house <laughs> and you can it have, like, just- bozo buckets. All it was just really shit. humid that day, and his makeup was running. <laughs> mm-hmm. It just looked yeah. creepy. Yeah, when when the talent gets shot in the head, that, that's that's the party, my friend. It's only creepy clowns that get shot, not happy birthday clowns. Uh, clowns are all creepy, just <laughs> just in general. It starts with the creepy clowns. Well, if your birthday party down. starts, yeah, at, if, if a kid's birthday party starts at ten o'clock at night, I understand. But usually it, they're wrapped up with, by two or three. I feel like it starts with a happy clown. That's like your gateway clown. Like that's that's what right. kind of starts it all. Maybe like a hobo. Like a hobo. Like when you see like black velvet paintings of hobos, that's right. kind of, you know like the old school like white face with like the coffee ground beard. Yeah, that's yeah. like when you're when you're dipping your toe into the clowns. Yeah, and but when, when you start have a clown for your birthday party, that's that's when you like start your dabbling, gateway clown. When you start dabbling in close up magic and balloon animals, then you know nah, that man. the addiction's starting to take hold. No, nah, man, the the real downward spiral is when you get into mimes. Right. Well, that's a whole other yeah. level. That's well, changing your white. entire lifestyle for your art. Yeah. No. Well, the, see, how all that happens is Dave was talking about, like, balloon animals, right? So, like, as you okay. keep graduating, you, you know, you, you get you get that high of making your first balloon animal. Right. And then you, and then you got to <laughs> chase... Then you got to chase the dragon, you know, that you made out of balloons, right? Yeah. <laughs> so then when you're, but then when you're chasing the balloon dragon, man, you know, uh, your your whole life becomes bleak, and next thing you know, your your life is colorless, and you're trapped into a glass box of emotion that you just can't escape from. And that yeah. rope, and you just climbing doesn't raise you up out of the box. The rope just keeps on falling down on you. You just keep pulling and pulling yeah. and pulling yeah. and nothing. And you can't cry exactly. for help. You can't. It's <laughs> you're constantly you're constantly just walking into the wind. You're listening to nothing important. I watched Kevin Smith's movie Tusk. Has anybody okay. anybody heard of it? I know this? of it. I have not seen it. I know of it. Oh what my are you god. About? Kevin Smith's movie Tusk. It's part one of a trilogy. A, a trilogy test. Here's a plot you're gonna love, Brian. Podcaster searching for uh, awesome stories comes across an old recluse that says he has stories to tell. He really just wants to turn the guy into a walrus. Mm. Yeah. So I he does. Been there. Age, a tale as old as time. <laughs> yeah. So he turns Justin Long into a walrus, and I can't even tell you the emotions, mixed emotions, this movie gave me. But the real question is, how is the food orgy? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty awesome when he, when he used his tusk to stab the guy through the heart and then ate him. Yes. Mm. So technically there was a blood orgy and a food orgy in one. Mm. Now is it nice. is it traditional Kevin Smithy where there's some action here but 95% of it is expository? Have you seen Red conversation? State? Have you seen Red State? No, I didn't see Red okay, State. Okay, cuz there's the Kevin? same actor, yes. But the answer is yes. There's much uh as much narrator uh, yeah, dialogue very talky, and Johnny Depp plays like a bumbling, simpleton Canadian detective. I feel like uh, Kevin Smith <laughs> movies have to be the cheapest of all movies to make because that is literally what it is. 
Yeah. It's like there's like two scenes where uh, the main characters will be driving from point A to point B, and there will maybe be a couple of scenes where people enter and exit a room, but the other hour and a half of the entire movie, is it just consists of two people sitting there chatting back and forth. A lot of it. At Red State's not. Red State's actually got a huge shootout that takes up like half the movie. That's a pretty different track for him. And this one's a little different, too. Um, it's a little uneven and kind of weird, but it's I guess it's him growing as a director, trying to do his own thing, I guess. I thought he was supposed to well, retire like 10 years ago. Have you seen the follow-up Yoga Hosers? No, I have not. And uh, Moose Jaws, tagline, it's like Jaws with a moose, comes out next year. Okay. Yes. Well, we'll have to we'll have to follow up on the entire trilogy and see if it really you know comes around yeah. where Justin Long ends up at the end. In um, his I can tell you, Justin, walrusy. Well, I've looked at the uh, cast for the other movies, so Justin, he don't make it to the second one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the only common thread I've seen is that Harley Quinn Smith and Johnny Depp's daughter, Kevin Smith's daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter are in every movie, and Johnny Depp is in every movie. The same detective. There's the two convenience store girls and a detective except, that are in every movie. Every movie except for the new uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. Um, well, <laughs> he took some time off to be the pirate in Canada that just happens to solve crimes. Right. <laughs> it's actually a really cool character. <laughs> spit take. Spit I just take. spit beer all over the computer. <laughs> he is the highlight of the movie, though. I'm not going to lie. Giant Depp's character is interesting. All right, hold on. <laughs> I'm just gay for Johnny Depp, sorry. Oh, it happens, man. <coughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't have you on full screen Dave, for that can... one. <laughs> Dave, you can stop recording now. <laughs> Be sure to follow Nothing Important online at nothingimportantpodcast.com. Find us on iTunes, on Twitter at NotImportantPC, and you can also find us on Facebook. Nothing Important is recorded with help from Third City Sound in Joliet, Illinois. Thanks for being awesome. Awesome.